years ago, people gathered in a small park in Carbondale, Colorado to celebrate art, music, and community. That gathering became the Carbondale Mountain Fair. Hear the voices, stories, and sounds as we take you on a journey of 50 years of the fair. We've all seen generations of people come together to produce this event. And the thing that's so clear to me recently is the quality of the young people in Carbondale and up and down our valleys. All us elders need somebody to throw the ball to down the field. Thank all you young people that are here to produce this event. This is a blessing for every generation. In that spirit, join me in a prayer to our Heavenly Father, our Earth Mother who blesses us with this water, that we may celebrate in peace and in joy. Amen. Aho. The Mountain Fair is fortunate that it found two directors who stayed a long time and really made their mark. Thomas Lawley stayed in the job for 17 years, and now in 2021, Amy Kimberly has just finished her 18th Mountain Fair as director. That organizational continuity counts for a lot with an event that depends so completely on a transient and sometimes fickle volunteer corps. We got acquainted with Thomas back in episode two. Unfortunately, we can't go very deep with him into his era because he passed away recently. That is not the case with Amy, however, so let's let Amy describe some of the inner workings of the Carbondale Mountain Fair, including her hiring. I was hired by the Arts Council to run the Mountain Fair. Jolie Ramo was the um, head of Carbondale Arts, or Carbondale Council on Arts and Humanities. It was known then. And... Um, I was hired just to do the fair, so I worked at KDNK and at the fair. And Jolie was the head, but uh, then, uh, but I could see it, it wasn't a right fit, and um, and I didn't want to leave KDNK. The board, you know, would say, "Well, Amy, would you be interested in the directorship?" And I said, "No, I don't want to leave KDNK." I mean, I had the best of both worlds: KDNK and the Mountain Fair. I mean, come on. Um, so then Ro Mead came on the board and I met her and I immediately called Drew Saxon, who was the head of the board at the time and said, this is, this is the woman you need to hire. And he said, really? And I said, yeah. And then I called Ro and I said, I know, I don't know you that well, but I just want you to know that I called the board and I think that you should be the director of Carbondale Arts. And so that's actually how it happened. And Roe was the right person. And, you know, the good thing, she didn't really know much about non, running a nonprofit, but she knew a lot about the community. So together we were a really good combo. And then that's when I left Katie and Kay and went and worked under Roe. We were equals, really, honestly. Um, you know, she didn't know anything about running nonprofits, so I was her go-to to help facilitate that. And I, I definitely um, had a vision. I mean, to be honest, I had applied for the directorship two years in a row, and they had turned me down. So, but then they gave me the Mountain Fair job, and then by the time they wanted to give me the directorship, I was like, "Hey, forget it." Um, and so. 
I mentored Roe a lot on how to take this organization to where it needed to go. But Roe mentored me on this community and the stories and the spirit. And, oh, we had so much fun and we laughed so hard and we did so many great things together. So um, her spirit, I still have her photograph on my desk I, I look at it often. I always go, oh, God, Ro. I mean, she wouldn't have lived through the Trump years anyways, to be honest. That was, she would have been apocalyptic. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we, were, we just really had a wonderful work relationship and friendship that lasted what, close to 10 years. Here, Amy remembers a rather rough beginning for her. I arrived right after the big split between... Uh, CCAH and KDNK. Now, I didn't know anything of this. I had nothing to do with it. But I was an employee of KDNK, and the people were traumatized, and they were trying to heal this rift. So I remember we had to go, the whole board and staff of KDNK and the board and staff of CCAH came together in the community school with Lori Loeb leading us. We all had a drum. And we had this uh, attempt at a healing circle. I remember that we had to go around and introduce ourselves by banging on our drum like, I am Amy Kimberly. And I was like, okay, okay. I don't, this is kind of awkward for me because I don't even know why people are mad. I'm, I'm not part of this. But, uh, you know, it did bother me because I loved Katie and Kay, and I had previously in Telluride been the director of the Arts Council. So, I, I mean, I wanted healing. So one of the first things I did when I became director of the fair was give Katie and Kay a permanent slot back at the cantina because they had started the cantina. It had been theirs. So the rift was over this cantina thing. And while in the end— um, Carbondale Arts getting the the cantina has really probably allowed the fair to actually continue on because um, it gets more expensive every year, and so that that money is very important. But at the time, I just wanted to try to heal, and and it did heal. It really healed things up, and the rift was soon forgotten after that. When I was first hired, I made fifteen thousand dollars a year. And to run the fair, and I had to do everything, like book the music, deal with all the vendors, um, everything. Now, I hadn't, since I'd never really been involved with the fair, uh, though I had done a lot of festivals, so I was pretty savvy. But this one is, is different. So I really relied on the time Mark Taylor and Jeff Legg were, were, had been like Thomas's right hands, then Thomas left. Then in between Thomas and me, there was Ellen Pevick. She lasted about a year. And I think, you know, running a fair was definitely not what she was thinking she'd be doing as director of Carbondale Arts. So I think it got really overwhelming for her. And then right after her, Joe Lee came on, another person who'd never run a fair. So that's why they hired me. They realized that it's hard to find someone that can run an organization and a fair. Thomas could. You know, there's some that can, but not everyone. And the fair had grown so much, too. So they split it up. 
And I was the fair director. And so Mark and Chip, there was, you know, I was an outsider. I was a real outsider. So I think that was hard for a lot of people in the early years because they'd been working the fair for so long. And I was a woman. And so the first year was really hard. And then I did, you know, on the, the next year, I got through the, the fair with Mark and Jeff, and I was pretty much in tears by the end of it. And I, I pulled Mark Taylor aside because I, I knew that he didn't understand how it was affecting me. You know, we'd never talked. Um, and I pulled him aside, and I said, you're either with me or you're not, but I'm running this fair, and we got a good thing going, and I want you to be with me, and we can we can make this happen. And my feeling has it's been hard. It's been hard these last two years. I don't know where I stand with you guys, but I feel really awkward. And I think an aha thing went off in his brain, and he really realized, and we've been an amazing duo ever since. He oversees <laughs> all of the production. Uh, and he now we have James Gorman working with him. He's kind of the successor to Mark. So Mark is my yang to my yin, or my yin to my yang. But um, we're we're definitely been. He <clears throat> oversees all the setup. A great team of people come in and just make the magic happen. And couldn't do it without him. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, it's a miracle that almost everyone has made it and made it on time. That's a really nerve-wracking thing. And mm -hmm. I do want to say that I have been so lucky to have Jeff Britt. He runs that stage. Um, and he gets pretty bossy with me. But uh, we work through it because, like, he – like, I'll be like – time pointing at my you know time and he has there's a clock up on the stage that the band can say and jeff will be like this is going good just stay out of it just stay out of it i'll be like no we're gonna get in trouble um but we we work through it. but he gets those bands on and off it's it's phenomenal I, I just i'm so lucky to have the people i have well we have a team of people we have a whole i call them my dream team and there are all the supervisors that go above and beyond the regular volunteer. So they take all these sections and oversee them. Peace Patrol, you know, the ambassadors, the raffle team, T-shirts, the cantina crew. Um, it's incredible the amount of people that have to supervise. And these people work so many hours to make it happen, and they do not get paid. So it, it takes a dream team, and that dream team works with me throughout the year. Ever wonder about the Mountain Fair's finances? Here's a general sense of how the Mountain Fair's cash stacks up. Well, in, let's say, a good year, um, the booth fees pay for putting on the fair itself. You know, the, the being able to hire entertainment and sound and all that stuff. Booth fees are around three hundred fifty bucks. There's locals get a certain deal. Food booths pay a hundred, and then we get a percentage. So <clears throat> those vendors are extremely crucial and need to be supported. And I'd like to say that because. We talk a lot about the party of the fair and the, the magic and the music and the gathering and the people we haven't seen forever. 
But none of that would happen without our vendors. And uh, we have about 165 of them in a normal year. This year we will have less because we're spacing them out more. So we'll have about, we'll probably have about 30 vendors less than normal. So we're going to be spending more in a, a big celebration year like this and making less, but that's okay. Um, so that, that helps pay for the basic fare. Then the cantina is what helps, you know, just make it a fundraiser. And not only is it a fundraiser for us, but it makes money for usually six to eight other nonprofits throughout the weekend. We share some of that bounty. Um, you know, I mean, it's not cheap to put on a fair, and it's getting less cheap every year. So on a good year, we might make 80000 Yeah. And at what we generally figure is if we can, if we, if we can pay for the fare and make between 50, that, you know, now it'd be hard. I mean, as the years have gone on, I've been able to, to, to make the numbers go up, which we need to, because everything goes up. Nothing is cheap. Um, so, you know, hopefully we're making between 60 and 80 off of and paying for expenses. The T-shirts, uh, before I came on board and before I had the magic of Laura Stover, who has really been able to elevate the Mountain Fair T-shirt to place where it actually makes money, T-shirts didn't make much money. What the T-shirts were about were... Yes, let's sell what we can to cover the expense of the 350 to 400 T-shirts we're giving out to all the volunteers because that is the coveted thing. Friend Affair shirt, I know some people that have one from every year because they volunteered. I know many people that are trying to get rid of all the Fair <laughs> T-shirts they've had because now they're kind of like, oh, wow, I got a lot of T-shirts here. Um but they were the coveted thing, and they still are. I mean, every year people get their Mountain Fair shirt, whether they're buying it or they're getting it through being a volunteer. So Laura came along, and she took. She was able to, to take the design. Before, we just used to take whatever design. It's a competition. So everybody would send in their design entries, and then we all come together and we vote. But not always is the winning design really work well on a t-shirt you know and then also back in the old days you just get that one kind of t-shirt there wasn't like female shirts and male shirts it was just that the one shirt and so as we've gotten more sophisticated now we have all these different designs and Laura's really been able to work with the artists each year to 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 make sure that that design reads well on a t-shirt and um I gotta say last year we sold most of our T-shirts online, right? We had no idea. We'd never sold T-shirts online. You had to come to the fair to get them. And, um, whoa, we sold like $34,000 worth of T-shirts, mainly most of it online. People far and wide ordered. And, and so we will continue to sell T-shirts right. online because we had no idea. Um, but that really saved us. That helped pay for the fair last year because we had no way to make money from the fair. We didn't charge the vendors. Um, I mean, we had 20 vendors. It was COVID. We just wanted to help them. 
So we had no income coming in. We thought last year's fare would cost us. But instead, I mean, it broke even, which we were happy about because it would have really cost us if I had to pay for it. Um, so, yeah, and this year, 50th, I mean, it's the gold, the gold standard. It's a gold anniversary, and there will be probably a lot of gold, but we're hoping to get a good design. You never know what you're going to get. It's apparent that Amy has a lot of talents, and here she displays one for honest self-assessment. I always say I found my muse in Carbondale. Um, I had been doing a lot of this stuff in Telluride, but it um, didn't give me the satisfaction. When I came here, it was like a blank canvas in a way. I mean, there was these amazing elements, obviously, that the Arts Council and had started in KDNK, but there was still a blank canvas out there, and that blank canvas was just, that's my favorite thing. I, I, I love startups. I love figuring out ways to bring people together. And while the Mountain Fair had been together many years before I took it over, and there were certain things going on in Carbondale that were happening. I could see them. I could feel them. And I could find a way to just take that and, and go with it. And I love it. It's been a love affair since pretty much the moment I got here. Well, I feel, I feel like I have really been able to retain the spirit, which has been incredibly important to me. I have no interest in doing this fair if we lost the spirit. That would be a complete failure. And, but I do think I've been able to um, make it a little more sophisticated in certain ways. Like we really upped the game on the music, um, the sound working with our neighbors so that our sound doesn't travel as much into their places and stays more in the park. Um, upping the vendors, trying to attract new vendors that are doing quality things. It's a juried show. So, you know, uh, I will say a lot of vendors call me after Strawberry Days and say, oh, I was at Strawberry Days. Someone saw me said, I, I, I've got to be in the mountain fair. Well, you know, it's I mean, maybe someone told you that, but there's a whole process you have to go through to get in and you have to be juried. And we we probably shy away from kind of like cutesy, prefabricated like signage or, you know, things that are popular in many fairs. But we want to stay more crafty, more quality. So that's always, you know, always trying to find those vendors. Um and I, I think that will be a challenge is keeping the level of uh, vendor up, keeping um, people safe, making sure our world's gotten so much faster and people have to work 10 times harder to just survive. It's a real problem. So taking a weekend off to come volunteer at the fair, harder for many people to do. I always, always worry about that. Yet, it happens, and they show up. Um, not being able to afford to do the fair just because everything, cost of everything has gone up so much. That, that always worries me. But, you know, I somehow feel it will survive. There are a lot of forces at large in our culture working against events like the Carbondale Mountain Fair. Amy and her team have discovered a good strategy to meet those challenges. Any problem that arises at the fair, and there are plenty, 
you could panic about, but I swear to God, I've seen this. I've been uh, 20 years, right? Am I 20 years at the fair? 2004, not quite, but close. I'm 20 years in Carbondale. Um, Whatever the issue is, within two hours, I kid you not, suddenly someone shows up out of nowhere that has the solution to that problem. It is magic. I do not ever really stress too much because it has a life of its own. All the hard work we do happens up to the when the fair begins. Once the fair begins, it's the people, or not even begins, once we enter the park to set up for the fair. Suddenly, here comes all these people and things are happening. I don't even know half the things that are happening, but they're happening and it's all being put together and everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. It's hard to find this day and age that people will dedicate time. Our time is getting more and more precious. And I do worry sometimes that, oh, my God, one of these years, everyone's going to be too busy to show up in that park. So far, that hasn't happened. We also, I work hard at cultivating the young folk, especially because we have this cool golf cart. So someone like Emmett Hood, you know, that kid, he's been my right hand, right hand man since he was about eight. And now he's, I don't know, maybe he's 14. He's taller than me. Finally, he comes, he shows up, he helps us measure. He is there doing all the production, um, helping, you know, he's incredible and he really helps. So I always tell him, hopefully he's going to take take over someday for all of us. But that's that's the importance of the fair. You have to cultivate the next generation because they have to take it on. And, and I've worked really hard at doing that. So we have lots of 20 and 30-year-olds in place already that are taking on these powers of or positions of power and and taking it on. And they have the same spirit too. They, they get it, and they want to preserve it. And as long as we keep doing that, like any tradition or ritual, the fair will retain that specialness. So let's give a listen to a few folks from the next generation who are lining up to carry on the next 50 years of the Carbondale Mountain Fair. Here are Deb Colley, Michael Gorman, Ali Sanguili, and Emmett Garcelon. My name is Deborah Colley, and I am the Mountain Fair Logistics Coordinator. At least I have been playing that role, um, I think, since 2013. Um, I'm not exactly sure when I started working for Carbondale Arts um, or when my first fair was. I started working for Carbondale Arts as the <clears throat> operations manager, as the operations manager in um, at the end of 2012. So that would mean my first mountain fair was 2013. One of my goals, like, after going through the experience of stepping into my position and, you know, in, in 2013 and being like, whoa, this is a huge event and there are so many moving parts. And there's, there, for me, there was no documentation anywhere of, like, how the raffle works, how volunteers work. There was, like, a binder. There was, like, an info booth binder. Thank you, Cat Rich, <laughs> for having the most organized info booth binder ever. Um, but there was not much to like tell the story of how everything worked. So 
the learning curve at the beginning was so steep that I thought, you know, maybe my contribution here over the next who knows how many years is to help document timelines, spreadsheets, supply lists, schedules per category in the fair so that anytime anyone switches out and moves on and someone new comes in, it's not like, um, it's not too overwhelming, you know? And then, you know, Amy is so talented at collecting just big ideas and visions and it kind of all hangs out in her head. And, um, you know, I've been trying to like tease those things out and get it out on paper and um, in a Google document that can live somewhere. And I guess the other thing I want to add, and it felt really amplified this year, is that not everyone who works on the Mountain Fair team, and I'm talking like the big picture here, like we don't all necessarily get along. We're not all best friends. Some of us are, right? But it doesn't matter during the fair. There's a commitment to working things out, you know? It won't work if it's not like that. There's like an overall commitment to... Um, putting things aside to like make this big community event happen and um, that's really special I think and I feel like I got like I feel like this year kind of put some of that stuff to the test Um, you know people have some really high opinions about how to be in this COVID world and um, we figured it out and no, it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was pretty great nonetheless. So yeah. I feel like that should make me feel like doing a, a, a COVID year fair and this year with those challenges makes me feel like I shouldn't totally question whether or not we'll be doing the fair 10 years from now or 50 years from now. Because if those things remain, I think we're good to go. I feel really compelled to be a part of the fair in some capacity. Um, I hope I hope I can keep contributing in the way that I am. Um, I think we're gonna have a steep learning curve when uh, La Jefa, <laughs> Amy, um, moves on. I'm not sure she'll completely move on all the way. I think she, she lives and breathes elements of the fair and I think she'll probably always um, help with organizing the entertainment, which is great because she's got a really special talent for bringing the right type of music to the mountain fair. Um, But I love the role. Like, I just find the role really nourishing. And um, it kind of, like, feeds also some part of my, my personality that, like, loves figuring out how to make things work and... I like to organize. It's kind of a strange thing. <laughs> um, so I hope that whatever team we put together, and I think it is going to be like a directing team, um, I hope to be a part of it and uh, keep keep doing that at least for five years. I feel like I could do it for 10. 
I'm Michael Gorman, and I've been doing the Peace Patrol supervising for, I don't know, like five or six or so years, uh, supervising the Peace Patrol volunteers. We're there to make sure everyone knows uh, what the rules are and how to, you know, get along and do the fair in a way that's respectful for everybody and for the town and, and um, makes it so the police don't have to deal with stuff like someone lost their kid in the fair or somebody tried to bring a bike filled with, you know, a trailer full of glass bottles into the fair, you know. Um, just kind of stuff so there can be a friendly uh, face as as people are coming into the fair and um, have like a low-key uh, security, I guess you could call it. Um, but more, yeah, just a friendly face of the fair welcoming everybody. And that's, that's why I love it so much is because you get to, you know, interact with everybody who comes and goes. Oh, everyone, oh. everyone who passes through the gate of the fair, um, you get to say hi to them. We did inherit a pretty amazing template and it, it works really well. Um, other than a few little logistical tweaks here and there. It seems like we have a pretty good system going, and everybody tends to just have a lot of fun. And um, from what I hear from the police department, uh, Mountain Fair, you know, overall as a massive event with tens of thousands of people, you know, there really aren't a whole lot of serious incidents, if any, that happened that weekend. Um I think everyone's in just such a good mood and everyone's happy and just loving on each other. Yeah, it's been a really smooth and really fun transition and, you know, everybody's still involved on some kind of level and it's kind of just this natural flow, younger generation kind of taking over one or two responsibilities at a time as the older generation starts to step back on some of the responsibilities. Everyone's still there and, and being involved, and, and that's the beauty of Mountain Fair is you have this, this place where all these you know, generations come together and get to throw this one hell of a party that they've been doing for, for years and years, and it's been such an honor to be entrusted with the future. My name is Allie Sangley, and I guess, you know, my official title, I don't know if I have an official title, but I think Amy would say that I am band liaison, um, which is really her, mostly um, her her department um, in the fair. So I am training to be band liaison, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, I have had some practice. Um, I helped Josh Berman open the pack three alongside Mark Taylor um, and did a lot of band liaison things back then, so it's been kind of fun going back towards that for the fair. Um, booking bands is really the first step, and then, you know, we start organizing their lodging, their riders, getting their stage plots together. Some bands fly in, like the Band of Heathens, so they don't have any equipment. So getting backline, finding, you know, appropriate and acceptable backline from the valley. 
that, that they can play with on stage, load-in times, load-out times, um, all that kind of stuff, all the logistics. I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a department that I feel extremely comfortable in. This year, there was a lot to learn. Um, I love hospitality. I, you know, owning a bar and doing events, I love um, welcoming people and making them feel comfortable, making an environment fun. Um, you know, I love music and opening my, <laughs> my, my world of listening to different genres of music that I normally play on my show. Um, so yeah, I, I feel really comfortable in that zone and Amy is sort of the queen of that. So being yeah. under her wing this year was truly an amazing time. It was, there were some challenges, you know, and, um, some things to work out, but it's, you know, it, it seems to always work out in the end, and the hustle of it, I really love that as well, and getting the bands loaded in, getting their green rooms set up, and, you know, going through their riders, making sure they have everything, and introducing them to the crew. It's just a really sort of magical experience. It's still um, an active conversation right now. Um, I think that Amy still likes to honor that music committee, and she, we have talked about still using that avenue to get people's input and to get suggestions. And then we sort of, as an internal, you know, crew, um, work off of those suggestions. So I don't think that the music committee is essentially going away, but I think that it will, um, you know, the, inter the internal parts of Carbondale Arts and the internal parts of the Mountain Fair crew itself um, will just sort of bounce off of that music, that music committee suggestions and hopes and, you know, wants and dreams and things like that. You know, um, I just think it was a really, it was an amazing year for the fair on so many levels. You know, it, we went through a lot of transitions, a lot of pivoting, you know, we start planning the fair. I mean, we have our, we have our next uh, fair meeting the beginning of October for, for 2022. So, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, it's probably been such a busy week. And it's like, well, no, we, we, we start a couple of months after the fair is over. So um, I think that it's important to just recognize like there is so much hard work that goes into it and the people behind it that, you know, everybody, it, it takes a village and all the volunteers are so amazing. And I hope that tradition stays the same. And um, we're just really grateful that we had such a safe and, and healthy, positive mountain fair for 50 years this year. I'm Emmett Garcelon. I'm 15. By the time I am her age, it'll be, we'll hit 100 mountain fairs. Um, I believe I was like in preschool when like we were walking through Soper's Park and I, uh, I saw them setting up and I was like, wait, aren't they like, are they setting up like mountain fair? Or? At this point I was like the potato days, dandelion days and mountain fair all kind of like, I didn't like really know the difference between all of them just yet. But, like, I knew that that was, like, something I wanted to do is help out, set up whatever they were doing. And I was, like, man, I was about, like, six or seven years old. And I was, like, can I, like, help you sometime or something? And then the next day I was, I was like, just doing really, really simple stuff, like putting in screws and just, like, carrying things around that people needed. And it was just so fun. So ever since, my mountain fair has been Wednesday till Monday. Oh, it's just the community, man. I mean, I've always been, I mean, with my dad and my mom, I've always been so into 
the Carbondale community because there's just nothing like it in Mountain Fair. It's just the most epic culmination of every part of the Carbondale community. So it's there's just something about it that's just amazing. Absolutely. I never plan on missing a Mountain Fair, and if I do, I, I, I hope I have a really good reason because... You know, it's 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 in my blood, man. It's just so fun. I've had friends, like one of my one of my best friends that helped me last year. Um, had to go to summer camp this year, and I'm like, man, you're missing the 50th Mountain Fair. And I, I get like, obviously, a lot of people have different priorities, but for me, there's just like nothing that tops that weekend. So like, when I'm looking at my summer and like when I'm gonna go camping and when I'm gonna go do stuff, Mountain Fairs like an absolute top priority and I just plan around that always you know I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to put get more get more people my age to come and volunteer because it's just a really fun experience you know obviously coming to Mountain Fair is is great just during the weekend but you really get to know so much more behind Mountain Fair when you come down and volunteer Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or even Monday when you take down because it's it's so important and it it really like teaches you a lot more about what goes on behind Mountain Fair, and it's just really fun. But you get to meet a lot of really cool people, so I encourage anyone my age to absolutely come down next year or years later because it's it's really cool, and it's just the best community, and you'll have a lot of fun and learn a lot. Stay tuned. You'll learn all about the drum circle at Mountain Fair on Episode 6, coming up. You'll also hear some of the history of the music at the fair, along with a couple of spoken word performances. This podcast was created with the same love and care that the Carbondale Mountain Fair has been created with for 50 years. Special thanks go to Luke Nessler, Amy Kimberly, Terry Glassnap, Steve Cole, Carbondale Arts, Katie and Kay, and the Carbondale Historical Society.